Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow, patreon.com slash bpshow. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you know? The dealmaker finally makes a deal. <laughs> he makes a deal with Democrats. Yes, indeed. Ascending uh, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell in a tailspin. What do you say? Hello, everybody. It's Thursday. Could you believe it? Man, this week has gone fast. That's what happens when you take Monday off Thursday, September 7. Here we are, the Bill Press Show. So good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. As we boom out to you nationwide, coast to coast with all the news of the day. And uh, look forward to hearing from you about what you think about it all. There's a lot going on, and we've got some great guests uh, to join you today as well. Remember, we're here in our nation's capital. That's where we start. Uh, but we end up in a flash right alongside of you, wherever you are uh, in this great uh, land of ours. You know, we want to know what's going on. You know, what want to know what it all means from a progressive point of view. Uh, of course, uh, that's our job. That's what we are here for. And we'll be talking the latest on Hurricane Irma. Irma rather. Uh, that big deal yesterday uh, surprising everybody with Don, between Donald Trump and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Donald Trump saying he has no regrets on DACA and a top Democrat yesterday, not uh, sitting at his desk in the Senate, but sitting in a federal courtroom up in Union City, New Jersey. Lots to talk about. We'll get right to it. We want to hear from you, your comments on the news of the day, at BP Show on Twitter, at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Thursday morning. We begin with the latest on Hurricane Irma. Hurricane Irma's destruction is responsible for at least 10 deaths in the Caribbean as of early Thursday morning. It blacked out most of Puerto Rico, but stayed mostly at sea as the hurricane begins to shift its path toward the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Likely we will see a possible hitting landfall there uh, on Friday. Florida likely mm. expected to receive Hurricane Irma's uh, destruction on Sunday. However, 
you do have many lawmakers in that state saying, start preparing for this as early as Friday. You got to. Yeah, you can't wait till the storm's in the, in the middle of its fury to start putting up your shutters or plywood or whatever. Get out if you can. Uh, yesterday, the storm <laughs> hit a record 185 mile, mile an hour winds. Just absolutely nuts. Just about every building on the island of Barbuda, which we spoke about yesterday, was destroyed. So if you were down there, stay safe. By the way, our friend Travis Waldron uh, at HuffPost is down in Florida covering the hurricane. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, not just a sports reporter these days, so he's all over it. Whoa. Okay. Um, so best best <laughs> wishes to Travis. We may try to check in uh, with him we should. tomorrow. Be safe, uh, Travis. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to the fundraising from Hurricane Harvey in Texas, of course, they're still recovering down there in the Lone Star State. Houston Texans player J.J. Watt has announced that his fundraising efforts for Hurricane Harvey have topped a whopping $27 million. Whoa, it's that's just, great. Good just for him. nuts. J.J. Uh, yeah. Watt has been just an incredible human being throughout all of this. Believe it or not, the initial goal of fundraising uh, for J.J. Watt's challenge was just $200,000. Oh, my God. All the way yeah. up to $27 million now. He was boosted yesterday with a $5 million donation from Charles Butt, who owns the San Antonio grocery chain H.E.B., and on Tuesday night, Jimmy Fallon on his program announced that uh, the show would be donating a million dollars to the fund. Oh, great. So yeah, good for J.J. Watt and yeah. uh, hopefully uh, people down there in It'll Texas get everything that they need. And finally, we're talking about football. I'm wearing my T-shirt this morning, Bill. Uh, tonight is the start of the NFL season. That's right. They begin on Thursday nights, believe it or not. Uh, the New England Patriots defending Super Bowl champions will be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. It's 8.30 p.m. tonight, Eastern, on NBC. Big slate of weekend games as well, including the Cowboys been some Sunday football night. Hasn't there, they just sort of... Uh, just preseason, preseason, and college football opened last weekend. So. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. NFL right. starts tonight, officially. Oh, I can't tell you how excited I am. <laughs> oh. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Let's make a deal. Yep, indeed, Donald Trump. Let's make a deal, and he does. With Democrats. Driving Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell crazy. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's Thursday, a big Thursday, September 7. Week goes by when you take Monday off, doesn't it? This is the Bill Press Show. We welcome you to the program. Great to see you, and thank you so much for joining us. There is lots and lots to talk about today. Uh, yes, indeed, Donald Trump making that deal in the Oval Office yesterday with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, pulling the rug out from under Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. It was fun to watch it happen. Don't know what it means. Donald Trump may not even uh, come through with what he promised yesterday, but we'll uh, talk a lot about that today. Hurricane Irma bearing down on Florida uh, after uh, its path of destruction in the Caribbean, uh, followed quickly, by the way, by Hurricane Jose building at the at the other end of the Caribbean. A top Democrat, Robert Menendez, senior senator from New Jersey in a federal courtroom uh, in Union City, New Jersey, uh, charged with taking bribes from a doctor from the Dominican Republic and Florida, and Donald Trump saying he has no regrets about DACA. Yes, indeed. Oh. My, pardon me. 
I think that's only the second time I ever sneezed on the air. I'm sorry. But Mark it when, down. It's history. You know, when it, when it, you can feel it coming, there's nothing you can do about it. That's right. Yes, indeed. Uh, so we'll be talking about all of that with our guest, Colin O'Mara. We'll be here from the National Wildlife Federation uh, to talk about the president's, what the President Trump might really be doing to our national monuments. The editor-in-chief of the great newspaper, The Hill, Bob Cusack, will be here in studio with us as a friend of Bill. We'll be joined by Nikki Schwab, who is a political reporter. You know Nikki. She's on the show often. Political reporter for the Daily Mail. As we come to you live on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on Free Speech TV, and on uh, the big booming voice of the Chicago area, your progressive voice all day long in Chicago. We're the morning progressive voice on WCPT. Yes, indeed. Where do we start? Let's start with Hurricane Irma. It is, we are told now, the strongest storm. Now, think about all the hurricanes that we've had. You know, remember Wilma and Sandy and, I mean, I don't know, every year, right? And some of them really huge storms. But we're told that Irma is the biggest ever to hit the Atlantic, uh, come up the Atlantic, right on the heels, of course, of Hurricane Harvey, the biggest ever to hit the continental United States. Uh, Hurricane Irma packing winds of 185 miles an hour, uh, leaving 10 dead behind so far in its path, Uh, apparently wiped out the island of uh, Barbuda, there are, they said, 90% of structures on that island so are just are gone, yeah. gone. Uh, really slammed Puerto Rico, and it looks like it's coming up. Uh, will hit the northern shore of um, of Cuba, uh, and then head north. Well, I don't know why why they know, but it's going to take this turn north, and either go up the Gulf Coast, up right up the middle of, or up the Atlantic coast of Florida, uh, starting sometime uh, late Friday or Saturday. Uh, Richard Henning from NOAA said, uh, talked about uh, how bad this storm really is. The storm is actually, sadly, sad to say, the storm is actually getting stronger. We're continuing to see winds measured directly by the aircraft in the range of 150 to 160 knots at the surface in the eye wall, which is over 180 miles per hour. So this is a, a legitimate Category 5 hurricane. Uh, there's, you really can't overhype this storm. Uh, senator Bill Nelson, the senior senator from uh, Florida, uh, uh, saying that uh, you know FEMA's got people in place, but FEMA's still dealing with Harvey, and now they got Irma. They are stretched a little thin. We've spoken directly to Brock Long, the FEMA director. He is pre-positioning people as well as supplies. Although FEMA is quite stretched, as you can imagine, uh, with all that's going on in Texas. Yes, indeed. How bad is Hurricane Irma? It is so bad. It is so bad that even Donald Trump uh, yesterday, uh, uh, he, 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 <laughs> he had to admit, uh, this may not be good. We'll know in a very short period of time, but it looks like it could be something that will be uh, not good. Oh. Believe me, not good. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Wiped out the island of Barbuda, the biggest storm ever 
to come up the Atlantic, 185 miles an hour, uh, and Donald Trump says, uh, this is not good. Not good. Could not be good. okay. Maybe a little mediocre. Duh. Just not good. Yeah, right. Duh, Donald Trump. Speaking of Donald Trump, yes, indeed, there was a fun meeting in the White House yesterday. Maybe you saw some of the video of it or the or the photos where the uh, the president called down to the White House. The bipartisan leaders of Congress of uh, both parties. So there you had uh, Mitch McConnell sitting with John Cornyn, uh, Nancy Pelosi there, and and uh, I mean Mitch McConnell and Chuck um, Chuck Schumer. So the Republicans, let me slow down here. Republicans, Mitch McConnell, John Cornyn, and then Chuck Schumer representing the Democrats. And then from the House, you had Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy, Republicans, and then you had Nancy Pelosi. Uh, ahead of the, So they're coming in to decide what to do about the debt ceiling. And ahead of the meeting, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer uh, put out word to reporters that uh, what they were going to propose was that we have a very a short-term fix. So we combine the debt ceiling, raising the debt ceiling, with keeping the government going until December 15 and giving the money to, 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 for, to FEMA to take care of hurric- particularly Hurricane Harvey. So they said, here's what we'll do. Just a clean bill. No politics. No nothing else. Harvey... Raise the debt ceiling, clean debt ceiling, nothing attached to it, and keep the government running for three more months. Paul Ryan says, this is the most ridiculous idea. This is before the meeting now. Paul Ryan, this is the most ridiculous idea I ever heard about. I think that's a ridiculous idea. I hope that they don't mean that. Let's just think about this. We've got all this devastation in Texas. We've got another unprecedented hurricane hitting, about to hit Florida. And they want to play politics with the debt ceiling? Oh, how dare they do that? Oh, no, they'll never do that. Well, maybe he should have talked to Donald Trump ahead of time. Because what happened? They get in the meeting. And Chuck and Nancy uh, put a roll out this idea. And Donald Trump says, you know what? We agreed to a uh, three-month extension on debt ceiling, which they consider to be sacred, very important. Always will agree on debt ceiling uh, automatically because of the importance of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. We automatically agree on the debt ceiling extension. And then Donald Trump. Now, wait a minute. Okay, he's sitting still sitting there with Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy, John Cornyn. He's closing the meeting. And Donald Trump thanks Chuck and Nancy. I appreciate everybody being here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nancy. Chuck, appreciate it very much. Now, I didn't see video of this. I didn't see video of this, but I picture this to be, you know, Donald Trump saying, thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Nancy. And then looking across the room at Paul and Mitch and just kind of winking, you know, saying, thank you, Chuck. Thanks, Nancy. Well, who knows? We know all we know is that Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan were royally pissed when they walked out of the meeting. Donald Trump pulled the rug out from under them. God knows why. We'll talk more about that with Bob Cusack and Nikki Schwab. Or, first of all, whether he will, will, will he really follow through? Who knows? I mean, you know, that was yesterday. Today could be totally different. By the end of the day, it could have been totally different. But when he went out to North, Car- North Dakota yesterday to give a speech about tax reform and he talked about the meeting, who did he thank? I'm committed to working with both parties to deliver for our 
wonderful, wonderful citizens. It's about time. We had a great meeting with Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> now, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why he did it. I know Bob will have a more nuanced take a little bit later, but he's a, he's a middle school bully. He was having fun. He was mad at, at, at Mitch and Paul, and he, he didn't even think about the politics of this, and he said, I'm going to screw him over. Right. If this is a big leap, okay, I know, it's, I recognize it's a big leap, but let's take the big leap together. If you give Donald Trump credit for being able to think about anything, what was happening here was Donald Trump has said, listen, I trusted Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell before to deliver on repealing Obamacare. And even though they control both houses, they weren't able to deliver. So this time, I'm going to send them a message. I'm going to make a deal with the Democrats. And maybe they'll deliver. If that's the case, good for Donald Trump. <laughs> but again, that's a big that's a big bridge to cross that Donald Trump actually had a political strategic mission here uh, in what he did. The at president's new at this. Uh, that's right. At any rate, it turned it turned things upside down, which is uh, which is really kind of kind kind of fun. By the way, <laughs> how long ago was it that? Donald Trump was calling Chuck Schumer crying Chuck. Crying Chuck. A crying Chuck, yeah. Well, he made a deal yesterday with uh, with crying Chuck. And then he went out again, talked about tax reform, didn't say anything, Went all the way, flew all the way out to uh, North Dakota. Uh, again, remember when uh, we've talked about this, and this is uh, not good for, in the president's eyes when he's talking tax reform, all he means are tax cuts for his buddies on Wall Street starting with cutting the corporate tax from 35% to 15%, he says, as if cutting taxes on the biggest corporations, some of which don't pay any taxes at all, is going to help middle-class Americans. It will not. Uh, that money will just go into the pockets of either their CEOs or their shareholders. Uh, but he pu pumped that again yesterday by saying, again, overall taxes are too high. We got to lower taxes on everybody. We're here today to talk about our plan to create a new age of American prosperity by reducing the crushing tax burden on our companies and on our workers. The taxes are crazy. Crazy. Too high. Too high. But there was a very special guest uh, uh, out in North Dakota. Uh, it was not Senator Heidi Heitkamp. Uh, she did, Democrat, uh, fly out there with, uh, on Air Force One with uh, Donald Trump to her home state. Uh, she said she was curious to find out uh, what he really meant by tax reform. She didn't find out anything because he didn't say anything. No, the special guest was not Senator Heidi Heitkamp. Uh, the special guest was uh, Ivanka. Ivanka, who didn't have anything else to do at the White House, so she decided she wanted to take a ride for the day. If you want to hear the most, um, I don't know. Cringeworthy clip cringe of all time. Cringeworthy clip of all time. This is Donald Trump, who brings daughter Ivanka up to the stage yesterday. Sometimes they'll say, you know, he can't be that bad a guy. Look at Ivanka. No, come on up, honey. She's so good. She wanted to make the trip. She said, Dad, can I go with you? She actually said, Daddy, can I go with you? I like that, right? Daddy, can I go with you? I said, yes, you can. Where are you going? North Dakota. I said, oh, I like North Dakota. Hi, honey. Oh, God. Well, here we are. Hi. Uh, Ivanka still calls her father daddy, and mm -hmm. Mike Pence calls his wife well, mother. Mother. So, so you know, take that 
as you will. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't have any takeaways from that, really. Uh, by the way, earlier in the day, Ivanka also walked into the meeting in the Oval Office with the Republican and Democratic leaders of Congress. Uh, we are also told by sources at the White House and in Congress that Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan were livid. Not only did he pull the rug out from under them on this deal he made with Chuck Schumer and Nancy, but that they, the leaders of Congress, um, have a meeting with the president and the freaking daughter walks in, who doesn't, they know, doesn't know beans about anything and sits at the meeting as if she's the vice president. Every congressional aide breathlessly ran to reporters to express how pissed their bosses were of her presence. Of her presence. And I get it. I understand. Absolutely. We still don't really have any evidence of what she's doing in the White House. Uh, While he was there, one reporter shouted out a question to uh, Donald Trump. Uh, Well, first of all, I I should say there was uh, one other little, probably Donald Trump got mm, a little mixed news yesterday uh, in the latest poll from NBC and the Wall Street Journal on uh, positive and negative uh, ratings uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, His positive is only 36% of the American people, only 36% think he's doing a good job as president. 52% have a negative opinion of uh, Donald Trump. Now, that's pretty bad, uh, but Donald Trump would turn around and say, at least I did better than Hillary did, actually, if he has a 36% positive, Hillary's positive is only 30%. If 52% have a negative opinion of Donald Trump, according to this NBC Wall Street Journal poll, 53% have a negative opinion of Hillary. More negative opinion of Donald Trump after his decision on DACA, of course, which we talked a lot about yesterday. Yeah, uh, at this meeting in the White House, one reporter got a question into Donald Trump Do you have any second thoughts about your decision on DACA? Or maybe uh, are you sending some mixed signals here by throwing it to Congress? No mixed signal at all. Congress, I really believe, wants to take care of the situation. Really believe it. Even very conservative members of Congress, I've seen it firsthand. Uh, If they don't, we're going to see what we're going to do. Actually, that's on Air Force One. You can hear a little um, sounder in the in in the background there. Uh, but he said again at the White House, he said uh, no second thoughts in there on uh, Air Force One. No mixed signals. Again, one of the cruelest, one of the most cold-hearted decisions uh, ever made. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, 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 and walking into the uh, Oval Office yesterday, uh, Nancy Pelosi summed up, I think, what most Americans and certainly what all Democrats feel about ending the DREAMers program. Nancy Pelosi. We all agree that President Trump's decision to end DACA uh, is a despicable act of political cowardice. I saw this morning on Politico uh, a story written by one DREAMer. And, of course, we had Esther Lee and yesterday a DREAMer who works at the, who's the immigration, top immigration reporter at Think Progress. Uh, It's a story on Politico today. Check it out, politico.com. Um, where a dreamer writes, I came to this country when I was three years old. I've lived here my entire life. What the hell am I supposed to do in Mexico Mm. or Guatemala or Honduras? I mean, you know, just think about this. This is the only country these people know. They speak English. They've gone to school here. They got jobs here. They're paying taxes here. They don't know. They don't know Guatemala. They don't know Honduras. It is just cruel and callous 
uh, what they're doing. And uh, just building on what we talked about yesterday a little bit, what gets me so much about the president's decision on DACA is not just that he did it, which is so fundamentally wrong and against everything that we Americans stand for, to punish children for the sins of their parents. I mean, the Bible tells you, you don't do that. But it's the way Donald Trump did it and the phony BS spin that they're trying to put on this. That, first of all, Donald Trump had to do this because some states, 10 states, were going to file a lawsuit against him, uh, against the Dreamer program. So, oh, my God. You know what? John Kasich, boy, he looks better and better. Republican governor of Ohio. Disagree with him on a lot of stuff. He would have been a better candidate and a better president than Donald Trump. But he said yesterday, there's a lawsuit? So what? You know what you say to the lawsuit is? uh, 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 um, John Kasich said, I'll see you in court, dude. Yeah, I'll see you in court. And you know what we're going to do in court? We're going to expose you because you are hurting children. You are hurting young people. I'm going to expose you for doing so. Basically, massive child abuse. That's what John Kasich said. So... Just final point on that lawsuit nonsense. Oh, yeah. There was 10 states were going to file a lawsuit if they continued the program. Well, guess what? Yesterday, 15 states plus the District of Columbia filed a lawsuit because he ended the program. So either way, they're going to have a lawsuit. Donald Trump really believed in this program the way he said he did. He would have continued the program. That was, that was the first BS. The second BS was... Well, he made a campaign promise. He promised he was going to end this program. Well, again, there's nothing in the Constitution that says if you're a presidential candidate and you make a stupid promise that you are bound by the Constitution to carry out that promise as president. It's ridiculous. It's absurd to make that argument. Plus, as I pointed out yesterday, yeah, Donald Trump promised to end the Dreamers. He also promised to keep the Dreamers. He also promised to protect the Dreamers. So... Which campaign promise did he break? So then, thirdly, we get this nonsense that he had to do this because the rule of law. Yes, the rule of law. You know, we are a people that we believe in the rule of law. Yeah. Well, tell that to Ronald Reagan, who gave amnesty to 5 million uh, uh, people who were here illegally at the time. Yeah. And don't talk to me, Donald Trump, about the rule of law after you just pardoned Joe Arpaio. You took a guy, a known criminal, a convicted criminal, and you pardoned him because you like his politics. And now you say, we always, always have to enforce the law. No exceptions. Oh, yeah? Made an exception for Joe Apayo, not for 800,000 of our best, the best young people uh, in this country representing the future of this country. A decision that even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, from a purely business perspective said is totally insane because of the impact it'll have uh, on this economy. So then fourth fourth bogus defense we hear from the White House is, well, this is Congress's job. Yeah, it is. They should have done their job uh, a long time ago. They've been trying to deal with this, Dreamers. the, The legislation has been around for 16 years. And as Esther Lee told us yesterday, shame on Congress, not even with the Democrats, shame on the Democrats, not even when Democrats controlled both houses did they pass this legislation. Some Democrats voted against it. But the point is, if Congress couldn't fix it in 16 years, they're they're not going to fix it in six months. 
So Donald Trump can't just lateral it or punt it uh, to Congress and think anything is going to happen. And finally, the biggest lie of all is Donald Trump is doing this out of love. Well, I have a great heart for the folks we're talking about, a great love for them. Oh, that just drives me crazy every time I hear it. Total BS. Total BS, yeah. I love them so much. I'm going to do toss all of them uh, out of the country. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, we put up a poll yesterday on our Twitter at BP Show. We're on Twitter at BP Show. Will Congress save DACA? Uh, 26% of you, just 26% of you say yes. The other 74% say no. That's the final result of our poll. By the way, if you have any Uh, thoughts. I'm sorry. That 26%. Yeah, you people believe in the Easter Bunny. Yeah. If you have any other thoughts on DACA, uh, the debt ceiling, Trump's trip to North Dakota, please tweet at us at BP Show. We want to hear from you. We might read your comments on air. Oh, my God. Might be famous for a day. Yeah, there you go, indeed. Uh, a couple of other stories that we just uh, touched on briefly. Uh, yes, I meant, as I mentioned, uh, Senior Senator from New Jersey, Robert Menendez, uh, on trial. Uh, up in New Jersey for uh, he has been charged by a federal prosecutor, federal attorneys up there with accepting bribes, um, vacation getaways, a luxury resort uh, on the part of uh, from a Dr. Solomon Melgen uh, who lives in West Palm Beach and is from the Dominican Republic and apparently has a great um, big property down the Dominican Republic. Um, Menendez, of course, saying uh, charges are false. He will prove they are false. Uh, but uh, it's been has been a while since a United States senator uh, is sitting in federal court charged with bribery. That uh, trial just started yesterday. Uh, <coughs> a witness of a different sort. To, uh, today's the day that Donald Trump Jr. appears. So the Russian investigation is not going away. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. appears behind closed doors testifying, uh, supposedly going to last, we're told, going to last all day, giving testimony about his famous meeting last June 16 at Trump Tower with representatives of the Kremlin uh, to talk about, hmm, who knows what, but they weren't talking about adoption, as Donald Trump Jr. first said. And remember, the president himself is tied into this because it was Trump, the president, coming back from Europe on Air Force One, who wrote the statement, White House has confirmed, who wrote the statement saying this was a meeting, all all they talked about was adoption procedures. There was nothing, no discussion of any campaign business at all or any presidential business, and um, that has since been proven to be totally false. And finally... Uh, on the Russian connection. Any more evidence that Russia was, in fact, trying to influence the election? Oh, yes. Front page, New York Times and Washington Post today, uh, that a Russian company called the Internet Research Agency, a Kremlin-based company Sounds called legit. the Internet Research Agency, uh, bought up to uh, a little over $100,000 in ads on Facebook to try to influence the election. And remember, our intelligence agencies have said they were influencing the election on behalf, in favor of Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. These ads, they bought 3,000 ads, $100,000, did not refer to particular candidates, but of course the way they were cast 
they were cast to favor Donald Trump. And they talked about issues, divisive social issues such as race, gay rights, gun control, and immigration. Hot-button issues where they were trying to turn voters uh, against Hillary Clinton in support of Donald Trump. Even more evidence that they were trying to influence this election, interfering this in this election, which, remember, Donald Trump has yet to condemn. In fact, he still says a lot of other countries were doing it, so basically, why focus on Russia? Oh, and, uh, you know, it's worth working with Putin on uh, issues like this. You know, it, it took backlash for him to say, no, we can't do a cybersecurity committee with Russia to figure out what happened. Right. Meanwhile, with all this other stuff going on, one thing that uh, we don't want to lose track of is uh, Donald Trump uh, working with his EPA director and um, Scott Pruitt and Mr. Zinke, the interior secretary. What impact is this administration having on the environment in general and on our national monuments and national parks in particular? Colin O'Mara who's the president and CEO of the National Wildlife Federation, steps into the studio to bring us up to date on that front coming up next on The Bill Press Show. Thank you very much, Nancy. Chuck, appreciate it very much. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. video bill's commentary the best clips from the show all in one place youtube.com slash the bill press show here we go now on this thursday september 7 i'm moving right along with the uh, bill press show good to have you with us wherever you are uh, in the united states of america or around the globe thank you so much for joining us as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Iron Workers. Yes, the good men and women of the iron workers under President Eric Dean. They're the guys that top off, or they build them and then top off uh, the big buildings here in this country um, or build the bridges. Some of the most dangerous work in the construction industry are uh, the iron workers. The sky is the limit for them. Check out their website at www.ironworkers.org for a full, full picture of what they do. Uh, President Eric Dean will be joining us actually in studio um, coming up. Uh, next week. Next week. We'll be able to uh, talk to him in indeed. Um, before we move along, and Colin O'Mara again from National Wildlife Federation will be joining us shortly. Uh, we should uh, give you our uh, Daily update on uh, Brother Peter Ogburn, uh, still uh, in the hospital, uh, still in rehab, but doing very, very well, actually. And, uh, you know, he's just as uh, ornery as ever, and that's, uh, that, that proves that it's been a total success. Yeah, he's waiting for his marching orders, uh, a.k.a. what the next step of rehab it's is It's unusual is for him be. not to be giving marching orders. I know. Yeah, yeah, usually right. he's bossing that's, both of us around, or all, right, all of us right. around here. <laughs> around uh, but he's in great spirits uh hopefully we'll get up to see him again today uh, as far as i know um everything is going extremely well so peter's peter's doing well uh yeah they've got so uh, again for those who are just catching up uh, peter had emergency open heart surgery a week ago sunday uh but the doctors are just amazed at how well he has bounced back and he's uh, now in 
uh, in rehab, able to walk around, joke around, you know, and uh, do everything completely, completely back up and down six flights of stairs yesterday. That's crazy. Yeah, and I may, Bill, I may actually force him to watch the Patriots game with me uh, tonight. Tonight. Yeah. No, no, don't, because that's a blood pressure problem. Remember. Well, well, I watched the Alabama game with him on Saturday, <laughs> so I think it's the least he could do. <laughs> I don't want to jeopardize him by by watching that. Or you could um, watch the Red Sox game and watch them cheat. Oh, come on now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, during the break, uh, CNN putting out just a, a little update again on Hurricane Irma. Again, it is um, roaring through the Caribbean, headed toward Florida. With winds up to 185 miles an hour now confirmed 10, 10 dead as a result of Irma, the prime minister of Barbuda has told CNN that his entire island is basically rubble, says that, that the whole thing just basically leveled. I called the entire island rubble. One million people in Puerto Rico without power today. Uh, also, uh, a little breaking news during the uh, dur- during the break from CNN. Uh, Amazon wants to build a second headquarters in North America. Uh, Jeff Bezos uh, making a big impact here, not only by purchasing Whole Foods, but uh, Amazon. Um, the second um, the second company, the second uh, headquarters here would employ as many as fifty thousand. People, um, that's a big deal. Good for Amazon. Good for Jeff Bezos. Uh, yesterday, Sarah Huckabee Sanders took a little time out to appear with. Boy, it was Father and Son Day yesterday, wasn't it? Fa- father and Daughter Day. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Father and Daughter. Father day. and Daughter yeah. Day. Yeah. Donald and Ivanka out of North Korea, and Mike Huckabee, uh, former governor of Arkansas, former presidential candidate appearing with his daughter. The two of them went on to the view, you know, um, both of them will defend anything Donald Trump does or says no matter what, right? They are, they've totally, totally struck, uh, uh, swallowed the Kool-Aid. Um, so how can you, a preacher yourself, and the evangelical candidate, Mike Huckabee, um, you're all about religious liberty, uh, how can you support somebody who basically doesn't have any ties to any religion whatsoever, a guy like Donald Trump? Nobody voted for him to be their Sunday school teacher, okay? Yeah, and, he, and I think the point is mm-hmm. he, he is a defender tall. of religious liberty, which means he doesn't have to embrace everything that I personally embrace in order to believe that people of faith should be respected. Isn't it funny they say that about Donald Trump? That's not what they said about Bill Clinton. Yeah, well, Bill Clinton had his little problem with Monica. Everybody said, no, you can, we cannot have a president who is not 100% perfect, who does not, whose personal behavior is not beyond reproach. Mm-mm, no. Yeah, no. All these people, the same people, Mike Huckabee, Ralph Reed, uh, all the rest of them, right, d- condemning uh, Bill Clinton for his little personal foibles. But with Donald Trump, they say, oh, no, no, come on, you know. He's or how human. about Barack Obama and or, the indication that he might be Muslim and that he rejects all Christian faith and that he is not the president for a white Christian America. And uh, was Sarah Huckabee, uh, by the way, Joy Behar, I thought, really, really did a good job going after Sarah Huckabee yesterday. 
Uh, and so one of the things that they ask about is that crazy, a crazy moment during the eclipse when despite all the warnings about you could only look at it directly if you got the eclipse glasses on, Donald Trump on the Truven balcony in front of the entire world with nothing, no eye protection at all, just looks straight up into the eclipse. What were you thinking when President Trump looked directly into the eclipse? <laughs> he has superpowers we don't know about. Yeah, he has superpowers we don't know about. Did you hear what your friend Tucker said uh, after this? Uh, no. He said that, um, he said this with a straight face too, that this just shows that he is perhaps the, um, the, the greatest president ever because he has the <laughs> fortitude to be able to look directly into the sun. Uh, tell me Tucker was kidding. No, yeah. it was a straight uh, face. He said it with a straight face, but Tucker can say a lot of crazy things with a straight face uh, when he doesn't really mean it. I want to, uh, I want to believe that is is is, is the case. Uh, and we um, talked about uh, the uh, DACA program and the president's decision yesterday. And his, his uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the compromise that he made. Got it straight here, with surprising. Total surprise to Paul Ryan and to Mitch McConnell. The big compromise he made yesterday uh, with the Democrats, two Democrats, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, agreeing on their plan to have a short-term deal. And the short-term deal would include three things. for They would raise the debt ceiling. They would extend the government funding. Government won't shut down. Remember, Donald Trump promised to shut down the government if he didn't get his funding for the wall. No, that's gone. So debt ceiling clean, uh, extend the government for three more months, continuing resolution, clean, and funding for Hurricane Harvey, for FEMA to deal with Hurricane Harvey, clean again. Donald Trump agreed to that. Beforehand, uh, just reminding ourselves what Paul Ryan said about this idea, that we would have a short-term fix ahead of time, that idea Paul Ryan said, ridiculous. I think that's a ridiculous idea. I hope that they don't mean that. Let's just think about this. We've got all this devastation in Texas. We've got another unprecedented hurricane hitting, about to hit Florida. And they want to play politics with the debt ceiling? Oh, no, no, no way, no how, says Paul Ryan. So two things deal in, in, in itself, if Donald Trump follows through with it, is significant. There's a great photo out, by the way. Uh, taken from the Rose Garden, looking in the window of the Oval Office with Chuck Schumer and Donald Trump talking to each other. This just sort of sums up the whole meeting. Looks like Chuck's blowing him a kiss. I know, it does, yeah. Thanks for the, the deal, Donnie. Crying Chuck. Uh, uh, check, out that, check out that photo. It's all over the place online. Uh, but anyway, two things about that, that deal. First, if Donald Trump follows through with it. Number one, notice there was no talk about the wall. No no demand that Donald Trump, by Donald Trump, that the wall be included in this little deal. So this, he, he really caved in on that, again, if he follows through. It's only three things. Debt ceiling, keeping the government going, and Hurricane Harvey. No funding for the wall, which, again, pulls the rug out from under Donald Trump and those Republic. I mean, uh, Paul Ryan and, and Mitch McConnell. And the other thing is, Donald Trump indicated, as he was le- as they were all leaving this meeting, that he also might be ready to make a deal with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi 
on DACA. Uh, they talked to him about a clean bill for DACA only to extend, to, to legalize by a congressional act the DREAMers program. Uh, and Donald Trump indicated that he was open to that, which again is totally opposed to what Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell want to do. Uh, they don't want to do dreamers alone. In fact, Sarah Huckabee Sanders from the White House podium on Friday told us reporters, no, 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 uh, dreamers is just one, fa fa one facet of the whole immigration picture. We want a complete, um, a complete immigration reform bill, which would include funding for the wall and other so-called border security measures. Uh, Donald Trump indicating yesterday uh, that uh, he might be willing to change his mind on that as well uh, and go along strictly with um, a program uh, supported by, and if he does, Democrats would support it, to take the DREAMers program as um, created by President Obama and just make it a a, a, a program under, under the law uh, passed by uh, the United States Congress, and Donald Trump said he would sign it. By the way, so, I like I like this, what Chuck Schumer's doing here. Yeah, uh, I just want to add this because right. he he said yesterday that they want to get that Dream Act uh, on the floor. We today, are calling on Speaker Ryan and Leader McConnell to immediately put the Dream Act on the floor for a vote in the House and Senate. And he went so far to say that that he's going to try to attach this to literally every bill that comes across the floor over the next few weeks. And I think that's important because when you think of the actual human beings, the actual dreamers that are affected by this, there is a level of urgency that's needed here on clarifying what's going to happen to them, what their futures are. Yeah, there are two ways to go on this thing. I mean, they could either do the right thing, which is put the Dreamers Act on the floor, pass it right now and get it done while the urgency is there. Or just let this thing drag on and on and on. And remember, it's already dragged on for 16 years. Uh, and the worst thing it could do would be uh, to have that continued uh, either um, uh, failure to act or just partisan bickering over this issue for, for the next few years. Uh, as we mentioned, one big question uh, and, and and kind of gets lost every once in a while when we when we end up talking about tax reform or immigration or hurricanes or whatever is um, what this administration's position has been and what its policies are in regard to the environment, particularly on climate. Well, the hurricane raises the issue of climate change, the environment in general, and uh, the impact on our national monuments and national parks. Colin O'Mara is the president and the CEO of the National Wildlife Federation, uh, joining us in studio. Hey, Colin, it's good to see you. Good to see you again, sir. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be right. here. So uh, we, we did have the pre – let's start on the National Monument. So the president did at one point uh, order the, the Brian Zinke, the interior secretary, to say, we want to take a look at all these national monuments and see, do we have too many – don't we have too many? Shouldn't we cut some of them back? And why? And what's the result? So – and during the campaign, the president made a lot of commitments to actually conserve our lands and actually focus on sportsman issues and things like that. So then he orders an unprecedented review, never going back to when Roosevelt signed the Antiquities Act in 1906, never seen anything like this, no. um, to look at 27 monuments designated by President Clinton, President Bush, and President Obama. And the, the result was a 
kind of a quasi-public process where they asked for public comments. They got almost 3 million, 99% of which said don't change anything. <laughs> um, a handful of site visits. And, and right now there's recommendations going to the White House not to eliminate any of them, but basically to maybe change a few boundaries, change the management. And I think the, the challenge that we're seeing is that most of the things that they want to change are things they could just do through improved management. Because what they're hearing on the ground is that they want more collaboration. They're not hearing big boundary adjustments. This, isn't, this shouldn't be ideological, right? Because these are incredible economic engines. Um, but right now there's a report that's gone to the White House, and we actually don't know completely what's in it because it hasn't been public so far. <laughs> they, didn't, they haven't released the report. <laughs> they haven't released it at all. When you say they're uh, economic engines, what do you mean? So the... There's been study after study that shows like after these designations are put in place, especially if they allow additional like hunting and fishing and camping and, and hiking, um, the, these become economic magnets for communities. And so all of a sudden you support local retail, you support hotels and bait shops and retailers. And so all of a sudden, I mean, just like as you're going to a national park, you spend money, right? And so it creates these inside local and outside the park. Exactly. Both, right. and, and really in some of these areas that right now are somewhat economically depressed. I mean, these can be, you know, some of the best jobs. And right now, the outdoor economy in this country is $887 billion. It employs 7.5 million jobs. And we don't treat it like the huge industry that it is. I mean, this is the lifeblood of a lot of these communities. Where is the pressure coming to revisit some of these national monuments? I yeah. Mean, I mean, there, there are different pressures in different places, right? So there's some places where folks might want additional timber. There's other folks for my folks Tim, might, timber, timber. To be able to, to log in them. Right. right? But, and in some places, it might be oil and gas or coal. Um, in a couple of places, it's about water supply. And a lot of these things, especially like the, the, on the timber side, like you can do more active management, right? You can have a good habitat kind of created and you do it in a smart way, but nobody wants to see clear cutting, right? So I think what we keep saying is like, look, rather than re-litigating re things that frankly, no president has tried to do, the last boundary adjustment was in 1963 by President Kennedy when it was a very minor you know, kind of tweak on something. Rather than trying to like re-litigate you know, 50 years of conservation, Let's just work on the management issues and get local communities more engaged and find better solutions. But you don't need to blow up the system, you know, once again to try to get a better outcome. Right. Um, the the one monument that I keep hearing about is the, I guess, the newest one that yeah. President Obama did right at the end of his administration. Yeah. Uh, the big ears or the bears ears. Yeah. Bears ears. Bears I, can ears. Never, I never get it right. right? <laughs> See, Obama with big ears, right? <laughs> That's why I think of that maybe. Uh, which he even joked about. So bear's ears. And where is that and what's what's the issue there? Yeah, so bear's ears is an amazing, amazing place in, in southeastern Utah. And it's got some, some of the most remarkable cultural artifacts going back to the Native American tribes that lived in that area going back millennia. Um, and it's and everyone agrees it's spectacular. Um, there are some natural resources there that, you know, and, and that some folks like access to. Um, but I mean, right now it's and it's interesting because the Utah Tourism Board is actually promoting people to visit to visit <laughs> Bears Ears because yeah. it's so spectacular. I was there last summer. Um, there are some like great in parks in Utah. I mean, oh, yeah, the, the, yeah. the big five are spectacular. And I was with, yeah. I was with Michael Bennett a few weeks ago from Colorado, and he had this great joke saying, "Look, if Utah doesn't want him, we'll take him in Colorado. We'll annex <laughs> it. It'll be like yeah. Maine and Massachusetts used to be. We can yeah, <laughs> right. It's contiguous um, because they are just treasures that every American loves enjoying, and the, and the local communities benefit from. Yeah. Now, uh, Jamie, our producer here, is from Maine, and he's always bragging about this big new park up in Maine. Woods and Waters, the yeah. National Monument up it's, in Maine. It's, it's not really worth being a National Monument, is it? I oh, mean, come on. Tell the truth I'll, I'll tell you one thing. It's God's country. i got to side with Jamie on this one. So, I mean, <laughs> Thank you, Those 79,000 acres are gorgeous, and if you've ever been hunting or fishing up there, it's spectacular. And I think this is a good example where the local community is excited. All the local businesses love the idea. Governor LePage didn't like it because he doesn't like anything federal. Um, and again, but we can fix all the concerns through management improvements, not having to, again, blow up something that's got huge support in the North Country. Right. 
You know, having been around environmental politics for a long time, uh, back to my days when I was head of the Planning and Conservation League in California, um, what what always gets me is that the environment or conservation um, should not be, and at one time was not, a partisan issue. I mean, when I started environmental politics in California, all the leading environmentalists were Republicans. The man I worked for, a state senator by the name of Peter Baer, was the strongest environmentalist in the California legislature. Uh, Ike Livermore, who was Ronald Reagan's uh, resources secretary. I mean, you can go on and on. The person who was head of the Save Lake, Save the Bay, mm-hmm. the San Francisco Bay, Save Lake Tahoe, Save the Coast, they were all Republicans. What happened? Well, and, and I think... Look, I mean, the root of the word conservation is conservatism, right? Or look um, at Bill Rucko's house. I mean, no, exactly. A, and and I worked for I worked for on. some um, some of the upstate New York Republicans, guys like Jim Walsh and Sh- Sherry Bullard, and you know. And I, I think actually what we're seeing right now is right. actually conservation, I mean, conservative. <laughs> there is a connection. <laughs> exactly. Um, and actually, I, I will interject that the um, Planning and Conservation League is actually still the state affiliate in California of the National Wildlife Federation. So we is still right? work hand in glove right. every good. day. So your Partners, your legacy is yeah. in good hands. But I, I still think there's. A, I mean, I'm, I'm on the hill all the time talking. Republicans and like there's still a lot of like deep care deeply about these issues. I think there's a divide between some of the regulatory approaches, but like we just saw in the president's proposed budget, I mean Mulvaney proposed slashing the Great Lakes, the Chesapeake, you know, yeah, different water yeah, programs. Yeah. And Republicans helped work with Democrats to put all the money back, at least in you know kind of the markup so far. So I mean I think at least on the conservation side, maybe less so on the regulatory side, there is bipartisanship. I think that we have to get back to a place where we say, like, look, we need clean air regardless. And we're seeing right now in with Harvey what happens when you don't do your inspections of chemical facilities? What happens when you don't have that kind of oversight? I mean, this isn't a lazy fair, you know, kind of, it shouldn't be an ideological issue because you're putting communities in harm's way because you're not actually basically having basic public safety concerns, which just shouldn't be Democratic or Republican. It should just be basic common sense. So now we have um, the, with Hurricane Harvey, uh, the worst hurricane, the, the biggest, the strongest ever to hit the American mainland, we were told. And now we've got, a week later, Hurricane Irma, Heading toward the Florida coast, which uh, the, the meteorologists say this morning is the biggest storm, Atlantic storm, mm-hmm. that we have ever seen. And Hurricane Jose is close behind. Is, is, is this the opera? Is this what we've been looking? What we need to wake people up to the reality of climate change? Well, and don't forget the 1.5 million acres that are burning right now in California, and Washington, and Oregon, and Montana. And Idaho. Yeah, right up the Columbia River Gorge. Exactly. Right. Or, or in, in Hood in, River. Exactly. You know, some of the best salmon fishing yes. in the country. And so, you know, somebody had this great analogy that said, like, look, if you were basically going to try to put Godzilla down on like on the map to try to cause havoc, you know, <laughs> through like a climate lens, like, what would you do? Right. Right? And you'd yeah. have these massive, you know, forest fires. You'd have these huge hurricanes, and you'd have droughts, and that's what we're experiencing right now. And I think at this point, I'm hoping that the science is so overwhelming. I mean, you know, as someone, I was the secretary of natural resources in Delaware during Hurricane Sandy, and so like watching everyone actually rally right now to actually help the folks in, in, in Houston, I think is actually hugely encouraging because we were held hostage by for 90 days by Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and those guys that didn't want to help the folks that were in trouble. Um, but, I mean, I'm hoping this becomes a wake-up call just for both for better resilience but also that we need to act. I mean, this is not a partisan issue anymore. I mean, these storms are not discerning whether they're Republican precincts or Democratic precincts. Um, and there's a lot of good folks that are hurting right now because of government you know, intransigence here in Washington. So one thing you see, you see these people who are uh, anti-government, anti-government, anti-government. And, of course, then the hurricane or the tor- tornado or whatever hits their community and right away – we need the federal government. You know, you've got to come in. So that's one wake-up call. One would hope that the other wake-up call would be, 
whoa, these, the intensity of these hurricanes, and particularly the rainfall, because yeah. the, the water temperature is a lot hot, warmer, and so the, the storm winds pick up more rain, drop more rain, that people would say, another wake-up call would be, we got to do something about climate change. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, we've had what three, five hundred year floods in Houston yeah. in the last ten years, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've had thousand year incidents in New York, and we got massive algal blooms right now in the Great Lakes. And I think, um, I mean, I, I think this is one of those moments we got to focus on the survivors first and make sure that everything's taken care of. But there's a bigger conversation that has to take place in the times now. The National Wildlife Federation. You can follow the good work of Colin and his uh, team at nwf.org. That's right. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for coming in, Delaware. Are you from Delaware? So I was the secretary and Jack Markell for a few years. Is that right? Yeah, for five years. I'm from Delaware. <laughs> Here we are. All right. Thanks for coming in. Yes, indeed. Bob Cusack from the this Hill coming up next. He's the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. The dealmaker says, let's make a deal. And he did. Made a deal with Democrats. Pulling the rug out from under Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. You gotta love it. Hello, everybody. It's the Bill Press Show on this Saturday, September 7th. Uh, Saturday. Damn, where'd that come from? <laughs> on Thursday, I wish. On Thursday, September 7th. Great to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. With all the news of the day, yes, the entire town buzzing about the big surprise in the Oval Office yesterday when surrounded by the Republican and Democratic leaders of Congress, Donald Trump says, um, I agree with the Democrats, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, they're my guys. We're going down, we're going down life's highway with them on this issue, uh, leaving Mitch McConnell and uh, Paul Ryan sort of a, <clears throat> holding the bag, empty bag. Bob Cusack from The Hill, chief Editor-in-Chief of The Hill joins us in studio. Hello, Robert. Good Bill, to see you. Bill, how are you? Good morning. These are fun times, huh? Uh, yeah. You knew this fall was going to be very busy. You didn't think it would be this surprising this early. Yeah. But uh, let me tell you, usually during the summer, you know, we're like sucking air trying to think of what are we right. going to talk about on right. the air. Mm-mm, not this summer. No, August has totally changed in the, in the Trump era. <laughs> There's always news. There's always tweets. Every day. That's right. Exactly. In fact, I haven't checked my tweets yet this morning. He's probably at it. But uh, we got lots to talk about uh, with Bob. Then Nikki Schwab from the Daily Mail will be joining us at the half hour. We'll jump right into it with both feet. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Thursday morning. As we know, preparations underway for Hurricane Irma in the state of Florida. Here's one way uh, to, well, really get people unsettled from Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd, which sounds like a name straight out of the... Florida? 
Sister Ian Flores. It sounds like a name straight out of the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Brady Judd tweeting from the Polk County Sheriff handle yesterday. If you go to a shelter for Irma, be advised, sworn LEOs will be at every shelter checking IDs. Sex offender predators will not be allowed. He continued saying, if you go to a shelter for Irma and you have a warrant, we'll, glad you, we'll gladly escort you to the safe and secure, secure shelter called the Polk County Jail. I don't really think that this is the first thing that we should be hearing from sort of mixing up uh, government responsibilities. <laughs> a here, sheriff right? yeah. at this point, mm-hmm. the Florida ACLU uh, going after Grady Judd saying, quote, most people with outstanding warrants are dealing with low level and nonviolent offenses. Uh, he's exploiting a natural disaster and exploiting lives. The ACLU says of Grady Judge in Florida. That's just that's a shame. Uh, to the entertainment world, this is some news that may hit home for our very own Bob Cusack. Oh. HBO has announced that Veep, their hit comedy series, will end after the upcoming seventh season. Bob, if I'm not mistaken, you were on Veep. Wow, that's news. This I did not your, know that. This is your acting career yes, here. This is it. Well, you know, the, the role of Michael Cunningham must return in the, in the last season. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get you in one more one more time. Uh, of course, the half-hour comedy centers on Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character, Selena Meyer, who begins the series as vice president of the United States. Uh, I won't tell you where she is now in the series if you haven't watched it yet. She said, we don't want to repeat ourselves or wear out our welcome. The story has a finality to it uh, that feels like an end of series. So, uh, do you want to use my phone to call your agent? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, now that that's disappointing because uh, Veep, I think, captures Washington uh, better than anything, including House Cards. I think it's a, really, it's a, yeah, yeah, I do. I yeah. think it captures it better. I would agree. Bill, did you ever get around to watching it? By the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, one more story here for you. you no, guys... I've seen a lot of clips, but I have never watched an entire episode. You guys movie. remember the pharmaceutical CEO you, Martin Jamie, for embarrassing <laughs> Scarelli? Martin Scarelli, uh, of course, most recently convicted of deceiving investors in a, a pair of failed hedge funds. He also is known for buying the Wu Tang Clan album for two million dollars. He's finally put it on eBay. Uh, as of this morning, one million dollar bid up there for the Wu Tang album that Martin Scarelli purchased. Hurry, hurry. They didn't want you to get that. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. The art of the deal. We saw it in the Oval Office yesterday. Uh, what the big surprise was, uh, Donald Trump making a deal with... Uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. What do you say? Hello, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show. This is Thursday, September 7. Good to see you today. Welcome to the program, and thank you so much for joining us on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, on Free Speech TV, and on the great progressive voice of the Chicago area, the WCPT. We are here with you to bring you up to date on the news coming from Washington from around the country, from around the globe, and from the Caribbean, where we are watching Hurricane Irma, Irma barreling uh, toward the coast of Florida uh, after having leveled the island of Barbuda. The prime minister there today described uh, the state of the island today uh, to CNN as saying it is rubble in one word. Bob Cusack is editor-in-chief of The Hill, uh, the great source for news of what's happening in Washington 
both uh, in the Congress and at the White House and in the agencies. Kind enough to join us in the studio. It's always good to see you, Bob. Thanks for coming back. Absolutely. It's uh, this is you know this is going to be a very busy week, and I think because of the deal yesterday, I think you're going to see a busy end of the year. Because remember, they've got to strike a, another fiscal deal at the end of the year. At the end of the year, yeah. right? I want to get to that. But so uh, before the uh, meeting, so the president uh, called the leaders of Congress who are back in town uh, to the Oval Office yesterday. That that happens often with every yeah, president. So sure. you had Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn. You had Kevin McCarthy. I mean, uh, Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy. Chuck Schumer for the Democrats in the Senate. Nancy Pelosi, Democrats in the House. Uh, and before the meeting, there was this little, um, this rumor, or not a rumor, but Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi had said what they would like to <coughs> see yes. would be a short-term fix, a mm-hmm. uh, clean short-term fix uh, Paul Ryan didn't think much of that idea. Here's what he said before the meeting. I think that's a ridiculous idea. I hope that they don't mean that. Let's just think about this. We've got all this devastation in Texas. We've got another unprecedented hurricane hitting, about to hit Florida. And they want to play politics with the debt ceiling? And then the meeting, the meeting. Donald Trump says, uh, we made a deal with Chuck and Nancy here. We agreed to a uh, three-month extension on debt ceiling, which they consider to be sacred, very important. Always will agree on debt ceiling uh, automatically because of the importance of it. So, Bob, (laughs) he agrees to what uh, Chuck and Nancy, as he put on the table, uh, increasing the debt ceiling, clean, no strings, no Planned Parenthood, no other BS, right? Right. Uh, keeping the government going for another three months until December 15. Mm-hmm. No wall, no nothing no else. No wall funding. No. Nope. Nope. And Hurricane Harvey funding for, for FEMA. Well, I guess it would be Harvey and Irma, whatever. Those three things, what happened? You know, I think this is, I mean, you look at the pattern that uh, uh, Trump spent much of August going after his own party, going after Mitch McConnell, blamed Ryan also for health care. Went after others like Jeff Flake, uh, who's who's up for re-election next year, and maybe just maybe, and we're trying to get in the head of Trump, which is difficult. But but that he's given these legislative responsibilities to Republican leaders, they haven't gotten much of anything and done, and they didn't deliver. And so he decided to go in a different way. Now the interesting thing: the White House released Trump's schedule today. And Ryan and Trump are having dinner tonight. So, <laughs> I mean, Ryan was really – that was very embarrassing because the clip you just played is playing on cable on a loop. Uh, and basically, uh, Trump undercut Ryan big time. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall at dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. The president's new at this. <laughs> <laughs> That's been his excuse for, 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 a, lot of for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But it is stunning that uh, it, it, it to, again, it's difficult to get into the inside of Donald Trump's head. But he could be really sending a message to the Republicans: Hey, I trusted you for seven months and you didn't deliver. Right. I'm going to try these guys. Yeah, right? yeah. No, I, I think that's it. And and the first Democrat just uh, yesterday uh, <laughs> flew on Air Force One, Heidi Heitkamp. He's trying to push yeah, tax reform. Right. So I do. And think he didn't attack her. He didn't. No, no. Like he attacked Claire McCaskill a little while back, uh, who's also up for re-election. So I do think this is a pivot in the Trump administration because, listen, I mean, whatever you think of Donald Trump, he is a businessman and he's been looking at what he has not accomplished on Capitol Hill. And he knows he just can't continue to do the same thing. He's He's got to shake it up. And he shook it up yesterday. Right. He certainly did shake it up. Now, 
How about the fact that it wasn't so long ago, a couple of weeks, that he said, if we have to, we'll shut the government down if I don't get my funding for the wall. Yeah. So what happened to that? I thought there was going to be a government shutdown at the beginning of October before Hurricane Harvey. Harvey changed the dynamic tremendously. And I talked to some former leadership aides and said they agreed. They thought, okay, he wants a government shutdown. And then- but then the the storm gave him an opportunity to be presidential, and he went down there. He took did take some criticism for not but, being empathetic, but then went but, back a but, second time. But, first, but he got a re-over. He did, and I think he did well in the, yeah, in the second yeah, try. Right. Uh, he seemed very comfortable. A so redo, I do, uh, you know, exactly yeah. uh, a mulligan, and so uh, <laughs> and I and I think that's that changed. So now he still wants his wall funding. I don't know how he ever gets that bill. I don't think Democrats will ever go along with that. I mean, some people are saying. Well, we could trade DACA for the wall. Schumer has said, no, but no, no. Again, that was that. before yesterday, too. That was before yesterday, yes. So, you know, I, I think that the wall could be Trump's uh, Gitmo, like Obama's Gitmo. Like, he just never closed down Gitmo. <laughs> and, 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 and unless yeah. Republicans have right, 60 votes in good. the Senate, which they're nowhere close, they're, 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 the Democrats are absolutely not. I mean, even conservative Democrats, like Joe Manchin, he's not for the wall. That could hurt him in his, his reelection. Uh, next year in West Virginia, but but this is this is a new dynamic, and you, I mean, just yeah, the photo of Schumer and oh, Trump oh, together right. was priceless. I mean, Schumer just grinning ear to ear because he won; he got exactly what he wanted. Earlier in the day, I was in a news meeting when the Democrats said they wanted that three month, and I said, you know, I think they're being too cute. They're going to have to back down because what are they going to vote against Harvey relief and and a clean debt hike, even though if it's a longer term, of course not. But then Trump gave him that lifeline, right? And um, sort of rubbing it in, uh, Jamie, where at the end of the meeting, when he's saying goodbye to everybody, um, he uh, <clears throat> ignores some people in the room. Here he is. I appreciate everybody being here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nancy. Chuck, appreciate it very much. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes out to North Dakota, as you said, for the tax yep. reform speech. And he's talking about what a good meeting they had. Uh, particularly, what a good meeting he had with two people. I'm committed to working with both parties to deliver for our wonderful, wonderful citizens. It's about time. We had a great meeting with Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> That's incredible. He doesn't <laughs> mention Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. No, and, and, and maybe, you know, once again, trying to get into Trump's head, but maybe he's looking at, you know, next year's election, whether Democrats win back the House or not, it's going to, in all likelihood, be a very good election. History shows that the the opposing party does well uh, in midterm. So maybe he thinks, well, I could get more done with them. And Schumer has repeatedly said, listen, I'll work with the president on areas I agree with him. And so on this issue, he agrees with him. And now they're working together. Now, can right. they get a good deal on immigration? That's another question. Yeah. I, I, I got to say, just, just an aside, yeah. I have, I've, said under, I've said for so long, that Trump, would, if he were smart, would make a deal with the Democrats. And to me, to my mind, the Democrats are always too willing to compromise. Mm -hmm. But in a sense, he agrees with them more with them on, or certain on some issues with, yes. than with the Republicans. And like infrastructure, if he had started on infrastructure, he would have had total Democratic support. And Definitely. he'd be, he'd have a major trillion dollar, whatever. He, he talked about a trillion dollar yeah. fund for infrastructure. He could have had that in his pocket in a, within a month. Do you think that but Trump can get a, a, tr a transportation bill now? Tougher now. Tougher now because the well's been kind of poisoned. Yeah, right. Yeah. So back to this compromise. Could this lead to other things? Could this lead to, and Donald Trump, 
uh, we don't have any sound on that, but he did indicate that they did, they did talk about immigration. Mm-hmm. And he gave a s- certain signal that he might even be able to make a deal with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi on immigration, which would be a standalone DACA bill. That would be amazing. I mean, uh, if you think back to when the House passed the DREAM Act, there were fewer than 10, I believe it was eight Republicans who voted for that. Eight, and I think three mm. of them are still in Congress. So <laughs> so it's going to be very difficult. Um, yeah. But at the same time, there are some Republicans who are pushing, hey, we can't do this. We can't deport people. And a lot of people think no one's going to be deported here. This is This is just Trump wrestling with something he promised to do to get rid of DACA, and now he's torn. However, with Trump's base, this is an important issue, and if he doesn't follow through on that promise, his numbers actually could go down, in, at least among his hardcore base. This is their number one issue. Mm-hmm. But it does raise the possibility, right, <clears throat> if he really wants to get this behind him, because it does seem to be an unease at the White House with this DACA program. Yes. I mean, they did it, but they... You know, Trump didn't even announce it. He had Jeff Sessions announce it, right? And he gives it to Congress. I mean, they're trying to— Yeah, and Steve Bannon is out now at the White House, and the polls show that this would be unpopular if they deported these dreamers. And Trump, as we all know, watches television, watches cable, and if he's praised on something, then he's likely to do it. And that's—he was criticized so much after Sessions made that announcement— then all of a sudden he tweeted, oh, oh, well, if Congress can't get a deal, I'll revisit it. And so he set a deadline and then he kind of pulled back because right. yeah. he is torn on this. Yeah. And I think one thing we have to keep in mind in, in, in the context of all of this is that we're talking about Donald Trump, who has been known to change his mind, too. A lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. And, 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 and a lot of times, like over the weekend with Dreamers, we were saying, who knows what he's going to do? A decision Friday could be changed Monday right before. So uh, it's – and I, Paul Ryan saw that. Uh, you know, apparently there was a deal struck with Republicans. Right. They were on the same page. And all of a sudden on the debt deal, they weren't on the same page. Here, here's an issue that just popped up. And so uh, if uh, this is something you haven't had a chance to really dig into, I understand because it hit me by surprise this morning. The news at front page, New York Times and front page, Washington Post, um, that Facebook ended up mm-hmm. selling a hundred thousand dollars or people bought a hundred. This yep. one Russian Kremlin related Russian media firm bought $100,000 worth of ads on Facebook, 3,000 ads, yep. to influence the 2016 election. There, there's, I mean, there's growing indisputable evidence, right, that Russia was trying to influence this election. Yes. And, and the question is, in a vacuum, well, okay, we know that Russia certainly tried to interfere with the election, but was there coordination between the Trump campaign? That's- Remember, the digital operations was headed by Jared Kushner. And there and Kushner's financial dealings in Russia have been scrutinized by congressional and Mueller's investigation. So this is remarkable. <clears throat> I think Facebook's going to be under pressure to release what those ads were that we have not seen them yet. But this is just another part, another shoe to drop in the Russia investigation. And clearly a big part of it when it all when it's all said and done, the use of social media and fake news, real fake news um, by Russia uh, to go after Hillary Clinton was a, was a big part of Russia's campaign. But was there collusion? That's the big question. But the reach is just stunning to me mm-hmm. that they would even get into, I mean, social media, right? They yes. would know that this is a, this is a huge uh, um, uh, influential platform. Mm-hmm. We've got to be there. Uh, apparently the ads they bought didn't say vote for Trump or vote for Hillary, but they talked about issues in a way that helped Donald Trump. Right. And the issues, a hot-button issue, they were talking about abortion and gun control and immigration. 
Listen, there's a savviness. I mean, Russia is yeah, smart, yeah. and the the problem is is that there's no indication they're going to stop trying to interfere with future elections. So, uh, but that really shows you. I mean, it used to be, as you know, Bill, that like family members wouldn't talk about politics. You couldn't talk about politics at the dinner table. Sure. Now they all talk and they argue over politics and they argue over social media, and that's the way to influence votes and influence minds. Is that you see either fake news or you see something critical or a hot button issue. And it, it makes you assess and, and so, maybe false information. So why doesn't Donald Trump just acknowledge and condemn Russia's efforts to influence the election? I don't know. That that's a great question. I I mean that's why not? I you know yeah. what has he got to lose? He was he clearly did not want to sign that sanctions bill that went after Russia and North Korea and um but he has not gone after uh, Russia as far as rhetoric. Now, some of his advisors, Nikki Haley, but Trump himself has held back. No, he has. I mean, and just say this is <laughs> this is an attack on America and on our democratic institution. So but so this is more evidence of, again, of, of their attempt to influence the election. This is not evidence of any collusion. But not yet. That it, it, that is certainly still under the question of being investigated by Robert Mueller. Right. Right. We've seen more and more signs that he is stepping up his investigation. And now today, Donald Trump Jr. comes in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee mm-hmm. to talk about that famous June 16 meeting at Trump Tower. <laughs> and uh, as you know, Bill, the the senator who heads the Judiciary Committee is Senator Grassley. Senator Grassley is an aggressive oversight lawmaker. He has gone after and pissed off a lot of administrations who felt like, hey, you're being too intrusive with your oversight. You know, Mueller is very is going to do, I think, a thorough job. But Grassley's no pushover. And they there are a lot of, I think, you could go on and on with questions about that meeting with Trump Jr. And it's going to be a big day for him. Right. Um, is, is this uh, and, and it's behind closed doors? Right, right. It's not open. Right. So we won't we won't see it. But uh, we know. Uh, I'm a little confused because okay, Robert Mueller, his investigation that's ongoing. The Senate Intelligence Committee is has its ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. To what extent the House Intelligence Committee is actually doing anything, we're not really sure. Right. right? Uh, that panel seems to be kind of broken. Right. Even after Devin, Devin Nunez left. Right. Seems well, and he broken. says he's recused himself, but but Adam Schiff, the ranking Democrat, has said he's abs- actually right. not recused himself. That he's very yeah. active. Yeah. So despite Adam Schiff's best efforts, I think that mm-hmm. you're right. That panel seems to be broken. What's the role of the Senate Judiciary Committee in all of this? Th- that's a good question, and there's been indications of reports <laughs> of uh, how do you coordinate all this when you have these ongoing investigations? And that was and and I think it's just Congress asserting itself. Like, listen. We have a right to investigate this, despite Mueller going forward. And that was going back to Trump's decision to fire Comey. Even if he could somehow get rid of Comey slash Mueller, there was always going to be Grassley in the Senate Intelligence Committee, House Intelligence as well. But but he's no he thought he could just get rid of this investigation. But there were go, other investigations, yeah. including by by Grassley. So that was just never going to work in the first place. And that and that firing Comey backfired on him. Period. Yeah, that really did. Um, interesting to see what they what they come up with today. It'll be staff and senators, I guess, grilling mm-hmm. this guy, right? Yeah, and I, I imagine you we'll find out a little bit of close to us. We can count <laughs> we can count uh, on the leaks, right? Exactly. Indeed. Okay, so while we are sitting here in Washington D.C. and the Senate is in session, there's one desk in the Senate that is empty because a senior senator from New Jersey is otherwise 
preoccupied. Um, when's the last time a U.S. senator was uh, uh, up in, on charges? Was it back, back I think to, you'd have to go back to Ted Stevens from Alaska. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. And uh, so that was also a corruption uh, charge. And that these he, serious charges against Menendez? These are. I mean, this is basically, okay, exchanging Innocent gifts for Innocent until proven guilty. Right, but. exactly. Um, but these are very serious charges. He has said he's completely innocent. Um, he's got to be at the trial. He asked not to be at the trial because he's a sitting senator, and that, that request was denied. This is going to go on for two to three months. Now, remember, mm. the Republicans are already trying to say, okay, Democrats, if he's convicted, should he resign, trying to press that, because then Chris Christie— Does he have to resign He does convicted? not. He does not have to resign. But the other thing is the timing here is that we're already in September. This goes two to three months. There's going to be a new governor uh, of New Jersey, likely a Democrat— next year. So that's why Republicans are trying to, okay, if he's convicted, and that's a big if, um, he should resign immediately. Um, but there's no rule that he would, and I think he would he would not leave, because he would appeal it. Yeah. Um, and so the politics of it are uh, complicated for Republicans, because a Democrat is likely to, to be in that seat no matter what happens uh, going into the future. Right. They want him out so that Chris Christie could appoint himself. Exactly. <laughs> that, that he could. He could do that. <laughs> that wouldn't be popular, but he's not popular. <laughs> no, but you know what? He, he would. I could see that he would do that. Oh, yeah. 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 When, and when he's in his last term, he can't run for president again. Um, it, and his, his approval ratings really can't go any lower in New Jersey. I mean, I mean I've never seen or at least he's in the top three of politicians who were just so popular. And seeing their uh, popularity, especially with in his own party, plummet so much. Right. I was speaking of popularity. Uh, you may have seen the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. Uh, latest poll shows that uh, uh, Donald Trump only thirty six percent of Americans uh, feel good about him and 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 the job that he's doing as president. Fifty two percent have a negative feeling about uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> Uh, but Donald Trump could turn around and say, I may be only 36 percent, but Hillary Clinton is only 30 <laughs> uh, percent. And this, on the, her by six, okay. this on the eve of her national book tour. Yes. Uh, coming out, um, which uh, um, a lot of Democrats are n- a little uneasy about. Because yes. Because it's just going to be rehashing 2016. Yes. Uneasy, I think, is a, is a nice word. Uh, we, <laughs> we have a story on the Hill.com this morning that, that a lot of Democrats are very frustrated with this, that relitigating... Uh, listen, it's like relitigating a, a loss in the Super Bowl. It was a painful loss, as you know, for Democrats. Going after Bernie Sanders, going after Joe Biden. Now, our reporter, Alexander Bolton, asked Bernie Sanders, what do you think of these attacks on you? <clears throat> and, and, and Sanders said the right thing. Oh, listen, I want to look forward. Uh, I don't want to look back. But... This is some Democrats are rolling their eyes, no doubt. And uh, we talked yesterday about uh, her comments on Bernie, which I think were just flat ass wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that primary was the best thing that happened to the Democratic Party, and you mm-hmm. can't blame her loss, in my opinion, on Bernie Sanders. I'm not, I'm not the only one with that opinion, but mm-hmm. um, but how about the Joe Biden stuff has surprised me? Yeah, <clears throat> what did, did she say about me. Biden? It was. Um, that that Biden had criticized her for not focusing on middle class families, yeah, right. and then she said, "Well, that's surprising because he campaigned with me in various parts of the country, and, and yeah. we did just that." Now, remember, there's a tension between Biden and, and Clinton, and, and Biden took a shot at her when he announced he wasn't going to run in the Rose Garden with Obama, and Obama was certainly pushing Joe not to run. 
So uh, there's a history. And also the Clinton campaign was also frustrated that Biden took so long to decide. They were nervous about Biden getting into the race. And uh, so I, I think there's some tension there. And now it's out in the open. I just don't see how this helps the Democratic Party. I was just going to say, yeah, right. How does it help? I mean, the Democrats, by and large, are united. Um, And this, she's going to be, she's going to do interviews for the book. The book is going to do well because it's more controversial than I thought it would be. Um, But how does it advance the the goals of the Democratic Party? I I don't see that. It does not. Mm -hmm. And one of, I I thought one of the most hopeful things uh, that happened with the Democratic Party is after the um, race for Democratic National Chair, mm-hmm. which to a certain extent was a replay of 2016 yes. in that you had Keith Ellison, Bernie, mm-hmm. Bro, yep. uh, and Tom Perez, who was asked to run by President Obama, yes. right, supported by Hillary Clinton. Yes. It's kind of a rerun. But once that was over, you know, and Tom Perez won, right away, the first thing he did was- Good point. My co-chair, basically, is Keith Ellison, and we're together now, and we're moving forward. And they have been. They've been campaigning. Bernie's been campaigning with Tom Perez. Yep. And they're looking at state legislative seats and governor's races and congressional races, city council races, right? Mm -hmm. They're really kind of getting down into the grassroots and moving forward together. And then suddenly you've got this stink bomb, you know, about— it yeah, is, and, uh, it, and obviously, once again, a painful loss certainly for Democrats, devastating in many ways because mm-hmm. it was so unexpected. But but if you look at whether it's Mitt Romney or Al Gore even, um, after they lost, you know, they took a sabbatical and and I think came back as as, as somewhat statesmen in the party, but they – but they did take that break from politics and say, okay, you know, because when, you, when you're the nominee, there's a lot of pressure on you to win. And if you don't, you're disappointing uh, your party. And, and I just think this is something that's, that Democrats are going to grumble about uh, for a while. Now, of course, Hillary Clinton has a base of support, and they, a lot of her fans want to hear from her. Um, but what role will she play in, in the 2018, 2020 elections? That's something, something to watch. But Democrats don't like this infighting. The other uh, contrast, I think, is um, Bernie's book and Hillary's book, right? Mm-hmm. Bernie's book is our revolution. Here's what we ought to be talking about. Here are the issues we ought to be talking yep. about. Here's how we get back the Senate and the House and the White House mm-hmm. on these issues, single payer and all the other issues. Agree or disagree, it was a positive, looking forward book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now the contrast with Hillary Clinton, which is a looking back book and yes. trying to settle old scores. Yeah. Last thing the Democratic Party needs. Yeah, and and Schumer's been a little frustrated, too, with what Hillary Clinton has has said. I take responsibility for losing, but then also blaming Comey. And you can make that argument, but but Schumer, you know, reading in between lines, he he wants to move on. you got to look – as a party, you always have to say, let's learn from the last election, but let's look forward, not back. Crying Chuck? Crying Chuck. Bob, can I ask you, what do you think? Donald of- Trump doesn't call him that anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not after yesterday. Bob, what do you think of this new website, Verit, uh, from Peter Dow, the, the Hillary Clinton uh, verified memes website? Do you know uh, about this? I have not. I have not actually heard about that. Yeah, Peter Dow has started it. They, they, they're trying to have it be sort of like an official source for Hillary Clinton fans to huh. verify facts. It's a little little ridiculous. We're we're not a bigger fan, but Peter Dow actually went after Bill yesterday on Twitter for his. Uh, oh, is that right? His oh, yeah. Hillary criticism. We had wow. a banner day on Twitter. Yesterday. Well, this sort of makes my day. The idea that the editor in chief of the Hill, Bob Cusack, could learn anything about Washington <laughs> from the Bill Press show. To now me, I, is a, I've learned something today. It's early. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie. 
Thank you for. Uh, <laughs> well, I embarrassed us... you earlier. Now I, you know, I go ahead and, and a little redemption. <laughs> for giving for the show. us a little one up, one upsmanship here uh, on, on on the hill. Uh, Bob Cusack stays with us as a friend of Bill. We've just begun to scratch the surface of all the news of the day. We'll be joined by Nikki Schwab, political reporter for the Daily Mail. Uh, so stay tuned. Don't go away. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. The president's new at this. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, here we go, wrapping up here on this Thursday, September 7, uh, the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, the good men and women of the Teamsters Union under President Jim Hoffa. We all live better because of their good work, and you can uh, follow uh, all the issues that they're working on around the country, uh, the organizing uh, campaign efforts uh, in various parts of the country, on their website, teamster.org. And we thank them for their support of the uh, program. Uh, Bob Cusack from The Hill, editor-in-chief, the big boss at The Hill here. <laughs> you should have bought the Daily News. <laughs> you could have got it for a dollar, dollar in your pocket. dollar, can you? And, and that was up for sale about a year or so ago, and uh, there are a couple offers that I imagine were bigger than a dollar. Bigger than <laughs> and, uh Zuckerberg said, "No, I'm going to pull. I don't. I, I'm assaulted basically by these offers." And then he sold it for a dollar, which, of course, you know, the Daily News is losing a lot of money. So. Yeah, plus all the debt that they uh, yes. In fact, way back when, Gawker actually offered five thousand dollars to buy the New York Daily News, <laughs> oh. so they missed uh, out. So, and we are joined now by Nikki Schwab, our good friend from the Daily Mail, a political reporter. Hi, Nikki. Good Hi, to guys. See How you. are you? Good to see you. Before we jump back in. I just want to add that we are on Twitter at BP Show. A couple reactions from uh, the prior segment there with Bill and Bob. We Uh-oh. have uh, KG1 <laughs> saying Trump is taking the life preserver from the Democrats, talking about the debt ceiling deal. Paula says Trump is playing footsie with the Dems to shut them up about Russia. And one comment on the Hillary-Bernie debate, Joseph says, I hear BP show is uh, relitigating 2016, as he always does. No, I'm not. By relitigating 2016 and gratuitously bashing Hillary again. No, Hillary's doing it. I'm not. I didn't raise this issue. I supported Hillary. I'm happy we're moving forward. Tom Perez has been in here how many times, right? Every other week. Keith Ellison. No, we're together. We're united. Hillary's the one is. I won't use that phrase again, Jamie. <laughs> We're on Twitter well, at yeah, BP and I Show. think. Well, I mean, you're gonna now. The, the question is like, well, next time Biden is on TV, he'll be asked about this. So then, you know, the the, the fighting will continue because that's a valid question yeah. asked. What do you think of this new book? Of course, yeah. And this is a 15 city book tour she's going on too, and it doesn't wow. end until literally it's like 12 days before Christmas. So it's going to wow. be the Hillary show. Hillary Clinton Live, they're even calling it. And what are the two states that she's visiting that she didn't during the election? Well, it's... <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin, Wisconsin is one of them. Wisconsin, Michigan, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. She's going to Canada a couple times, which I think is kind of interesting. Not uh, sure why. part of this book tour? Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I don't want to talk about that, that anymore. Um, but uh, yesterday was a big day. Yesterday was Father and Daughter Day. Uh, we know uh, Mike Huckabee and Sarah Sanders. Mike uh, on and Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, on The View. Uh, and then um, Ivanka with Daddy uh, out in North Dakota. Uh, I just have to play once again the most cringe-worthy soundbite I have ever heard in my life, I think, is the president bringing Ivanka up on stage yesterday. Sometimes they'll say, you know, he can't be that bad a guy. Look at Ivanka. Now, come on up, honey. She's so good. She wanted to make the trip. She said, Dad, can I go with you? She actually said, Daddy, can I go with you? I like that, right? Daddy, can I go with you? I said, yes, you can. Where are you going? North Dakota. I said, oh, I like North Dakota. Hi, honey. Uh, <laughs> even when he says honey, it's uncomfortable. Uh, all right, all right. She's so good. She wanted to make the trip. She said, Dad, can I go with you? She actually said, Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> and, th- and then she tries to flee the stage, and he stops her, grabs her, and makes her give him a cheek kiss, and then she can leave. So that was also it was slightly just, awkward. It was just uncomfortable. Yeah, he, he likes bringing people on stage briefly, and then and they kind of tries yeah. to usually shoo them away. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, I was watching that live, and that was that was unusual. Perhaps more significant is that uh, apparently uh, we're told actually by several staffers uh, that she uh, Ivanka showed up at the meeting with the congressional leaders in right. the Oval Office yesterday, and that Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell were not happy. Yeah, though I, in in a way, I think it's kind of astute for her because she's trying to work on this child care tax credit, and and she knows he, she's not going to get a lot of meetings, so she uh-huh. takes advantage of of her father's meetings and, and and tries to push it. But clearly, that was not the topic of the day. No, and I think and, and I think they felt right, you know, that they are the leadership, yes. and they've got a rather doesn't happen every day, right? One on one, face to face there because they are the elected leaders of yes. the House and the Senate, and here comes the kid, right? <laughs> exactly. And also, I mean, my understanding of the timeline is that President Trump had already said, okay, Democrats, that sounds great. You know, three months, we're going to do this. And Republicans were infuriated and wanted to keep talking, and then Ivanka comes in. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. it, it was sort of like, and scene, now we're going to talk about, you know, child care. We're moving on. <laughs> and you know, okay. I'm pretty sure McConnell and Ryan were both like, but, but, but wait, wait, we, we, we want to go back and talk about, you know, what we were just talking about. And the Democrats left and they were like, well, our work here is done. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, while we're at the White House, um, uh, Bob, we'll start with you. How is um, the chief of staff, John Kelly, doing? He's a month in. He's a month in. There are little rumors that, uh, you know, he's... Feeling a little shaky about the job. Yeah, and, and there there have been reports of tension between Trump and Kelly. I mean, Kelly clearly can't control the president. He can't control his Twitter feed. He's going to continue. He knew to that tweet. going in. Though. Yeah, he knew that. So his his goal was to to clean up the the, the White House and and purge it. Honestly, I mean, he's gotten rid of uh, he got rid of Bannon. He got rid of Scaramucci, and I think that was a that was. Guaranteed, he wouldn't take the job unless the mooch was gone. Uh, and Gorka. Gorka's out now, so I think he's tr- and he's trying to get the Trump on more of a schedule. But Trump doesn't like being on a schedule. He likes kind of chaos and people coming in. But but in a White House, you have to have some order. So I, I do think that I mean, on the Charlottesville, we saw Kelly in the background with his body language, disappointed with how the president was oh, yeah. handling oh. with that. So. I do think that uh, it's Kelly will is not going to leave anytime soon. But there's there's I'm not so sure he's going to be there in six months or a year. 
Right. What's your read? I, I think that he's absolutely right. Uh, and I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see who he purges next. Uh, there's talk that he's going to bring in Mercedes Schlapp, who's interesting because she is the wife. First, first of all, she's a, you know, a Bush alumni, so she has White House experience. They're thinking about bringing her into the comms team. But she's the wife of Matt Schlapp, who is the American Conservative Union president. So you've got somebody who actually is steeped in politics, knows the conservative movement, and is not like a Scaramucci who's, you know, we've never heard of in Washington, but, you know, yeah. Trump was like, I'm going to mix things up. This is somebody who's more reasoned, will be uh, sort of smarter when it comes to politics. So you're seeing people like that potentially coming in because of Kelly's influence. There's also talk of, obviously, Keith Schiller's thinking about leaving, who's like Trump's mm-hmm. kind of body man, you know, his longtime uh, friend. Lo- yeah, he's been, what, 10, 12 years with Trump. Right? Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot, there's some rumblings More that... More than a body man. I mean, he... Yeah, I mean... Trump really seems to trust him. He delivered the letter to, to the FBI Kobe. and, and Comey. Right. Of course, Comey yeah. wasn't in D.C. at the yeah. time. But, yeah. But yeah. I, th- I think Schlapp would be a very good hire for yeah, this White I think House. So too. They really could, could write use the someone like that. On the comms team, for sure. And then there, there's sort of chatter that Omarosa might be pushed out because she's in one of these sort of made-up positions. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of, of from my, my sources, tell me that there's not a lot of good talk about the job that she's done. Uh, so that's another one to sort of look at. She used her. She used the White House for her wedding, right? She got married at the White House. Oh, she yeah. got married at the Trump International Hotel. Oh, excuse me. Oh, no, right, the other White they House. They had. Uh, the other I think White they House. had a night before at the White House or something like that. I mean, there are but, definitely. I think Kellyanne and everybody, you know, took her out. But it was at the Trump International Hotel, and I think that was the secondary venue. It had been canceled because of security somewhere else, so they moved it. But still, I mean, it was. It, it, it didn't. She's close. It didn't. Right. It didn't look so good as right. far as her having it there. With um, with with all of these changes, you know what's ironic? I find is that the ultimate establishment person was Reince Priebus in the first place. Yeah, and Spicer, and absolutely. Spicer. Yeah. yeah, and and I think Trump was talked into hiring both of them because probably Speaker Ryan, obviously close with Priebus, uh, both from Wisconsin, and Spicer worked for Priebus at the RNC. That hey, they can help you get things done, and then. Trump saw, well, I didn't get things done. And, of course, Trump has has a habit of pointing the finger of, it's not my fault, it's your fault, Ryan, or McConnell, or Priebus, or Spicer. Uh, And that's why we've seen so much turnover at the White House. I mean, Billy, have you ever seen this much turnover at the White House? This early? Not this early. Not this early. For sure. Right. Um, uh, So, (laughs) we're going to see who's... But one thing we can be be happy about is that Sean Spicer does have a new job, right? He does, uh, on the speakers bureau, high, you know, high price. That's hardly a full time job, by the way, as someone who's been on the speakers. Uh, <laughs> it's good work lectures. if you can get it. <laughs> it is. It's found money, as they say. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see. Uh, apparently, orig- originally, rather on the site, they talked about this as a man that you could count on for his candor. They took that out. Yes. Oh, yes. interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I-, I wonder if he's gonna show up uh, on Saturday Night Live. I was thinking that too, yeah. or at oh, least in a in couple. Himself. He, yeah, apparently oh, yeah. he wants to, but yeah, with yeah. Melissa McCarthy. With Melissa McCarthy, yeah, she it has to be fun. dressed as him next. It'll year. be like the Hillary Clinton. Yes, or right. she's dressed as Sarah Huckabee Sanders, <laughs> which would be amazing because <laughs> she have could a lot play of both parts. <laughs> so much fun. But, but let, me, let me say about that lecture circuit. Uh, every former White House press secretary does that. Yes. I remember Ari Fleischer did and mm-hmm. Mike uh, Mike McCurry did. And sure. It, it's totally legitimate, mm-hmm. but it doesn't last long. You know, your your uh, uh, appeal or your interest get, he, he, fades pretty fast. He's got to move himself into sort of the James yeah. Carville 
camp of, of you know, being sort of pop culturally relevant for many years if he wants to sort of keep that up, I think. And I think it might be hard for him because, you know, as as, right. as we all know Sean Spicer here in D.C. and, you know, he's a nice guy. But I think, you know, for half the nation, you sort of look at him and cringe because he was a spokesperson for the Trump administration. So it becomes a lot harder. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, speaking of cringing, I, I think he made the right call in not doing Dancing with the Stars. I think that would have been. I actually really disagree. Bad. Really? I think that would have been fantastic. Been... <laughs> no, but mostly because I know, I I know Sean and I could like watch it on Facebook. <laughs> would he have but... lasted longer than Rick Perry? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, Perry didn't doesn't it didn't look great. But I think that Perry had some moves. I don't know. He's, uh, Rick Perry's from Texas. He can shake those hips. True. Would he have lasted longer than my friend Tucker Carlson? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. All right. So this is amazing. We are. Um, you've been here forty-five minutes now. We've mm-hmm. been talking about all the news of the day. We have not yet mentioned North Korea. And a week ago, we all thought we were on the brink of war <laughs> with North Korea. What the hell happened? It is one of those things where I've had some friends who are very nervous about the North Korea situation, and they're like, "No one's talking about it." (laughs) You know that it's this is there's a nuclear war here. Nothing else matters if there's a nuclear war. You know, exactly right. And there is, you know, Bannon said uh, before he left the White House uh, in an interview that there's no military option, and I think that's probably right. Maybe there's a cybersecurity military option, kind of like Obama did with Stuxnet and, and Iran. But you, there's no military option here. I mean, you just can't do that because uh, you're dealing with uh, uh, an irrational dictator and then with Trump. And, and, and the rhetoric has been just oh, unbelievable. Oh, you said irrational dictator, I thought you meant <laughs> Donald Trump. I said you over that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, there's there's a real nervousness. And, and honestly, uh, Nikki Haley has been pretty tough on, on North Korea. And, the rhetoric has yes, been tough. has been very the, tough. I guess, uh, Nikki, the question is, Who's calling the shots here? Because some people are nervous that the trigger-happy rhetoric, you know, would translate to a trigger-happy military response. Which would well, I think we're all hoping that it's Mattis that's calling the shots and not potentially Trump or even Nikki Haley just because her rhetoric has been so harsh. I think people are wanting to sort of, I mean, I know I personally would like to see them sort of step back, think about what they're saying, and really just talk to China. I mean, that is that is the number one option, mm-hmm. is we, we need to be talking to China. We need to get them to realize what a sort of global threat this has become. Because I understand it, it used to be sort of these pieces on a chessboard, right? You've got this alliance of South Korea, Japan, and the U.S. sort of against China and Russia. But now it, we've gotten to the point where if they have an H-bomb, I mean, I think that, you know, Russia and China need to, to realize how serious that is and how well, many people could be killed. But, but the, the president's response is, pardon, is to say... We're going to cut off all trade with China. Yeah, which makes no sense. I mean, but how, then he's also talked about like what a great conversations he's had with Chinese pre- with the Chinese president. And we're going so, to cut off all trade with South Korea too while we're at it. Yeah, and that that got an immediate negative reaction from Republicans on Capitol Hill. Like, yeah. They just didn't understand that that thinking of of, of ending the, the trade deal with South Korea. So uh, I, I don't see any solution I mean, poke, coming. Poke, poke your strongest ally in the eye, right? right. The ones that were. <laughs> you know, that, that that's another head scratcher. That that that's why Republicans who sometimes say, "Well, you know, the president can tweet," or sometimes is unconventional, they were immediately yeah. Kevin Brady, the Ways and Means chairman, was like, "No, we should not do that." But it is interesting that the person whose nickname is Mad Dog uh, is the one it's, that we're counting on like to, a be sweet the, puppy in this to be the calm <laughs> uh, 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 voice here. But he does seem to play that role. 
of Bob. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's respected on Capitol Hill. I think he was confirmed 99 to 1. I think Gillibrand was the only one. And, and Trump cabinet members have not been <laughs> overwhelmingly confirmed. So yeah, he right. is respected, and, and I think on both sides of the aisle, and that's a good thing. Right. Um, so this obviously is not over. I mean, this is not resolved. In fact, this weekend, this weekend we'll be focused on Hurricane Irma, um, Irma, but uh, this is the anniversary of the founding of the Republic of North Korea, and they've traditionally always done some big military thing. So military, but we're, we're being told to expect another long-range missile this weekend. Um, that's which, correct. Which is going to probably escalate the rhetoric again. Right, and that's, uh, I agree with Nikki, that, that Russia and China have to play roles here, and Trump has used his trade deals as leverage on foreign policy more and more. Never seen a president do that as much as, as Trump has done, but but it hasn't worked because he was giving some breaks to to, to China, like on currency, um, but kind of with an unspoken, all right, you're going to control North Korea. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, you mentioned uh, Russia and China. It's interesting that Vladimir Putin has said it's probably impossible, an impossible situation. <laughs> I mean, Putin has taken his, has used this t- t- opportunity to, it's kind of strange, to distance himself from Trump and on, on North Korea. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, which, which is interesting because I, I did not expect that. I expected them to, you know, to, because especially because Trump is, you know, even despite all the Russia stuff, has sort of tried to be a little friendly toward Russia. So I was I was definitely surprised by that. Right. Uh, and it's surprising that Russia has supported us in, in, in the U.N. on the sanctions so far against North Korea. I mean, yeah, I mean, and Pu- China, too. Right. That's which which was a big, big for the United States and big for the Trump administration, honestly, right. getting them right. on board with that vote. But mm-hmm. but Putin's this I mean, Putin is so savvy and has accrued a lot of power. And now in this situation, he comes across as the. The responsible statesman. Yeah. Uh, who would have thought? Right. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out uh, this weekend. But it, it it does seem to be that the, I, you know, I said the other day, where's Henry Kissinger when we need him, mm-hmm. right? It's almost uh, that this this requires somebody or maybe a Bill Richardson, right? Who yeah, can get bring the somebody party, in. Get the parties together. And I I believe that you, we have to recognize that North Korea has joined the nuclear club, like it or not. I mean, the best efforts of Bill Clinton and George W. Bush and Barack Obama to stop their nuclear weapons program, every one of them promised, not on my watch, not on my watch, yes. right? And, and if there was an are. easy solution, it would have been it would have been done by now. And, and you're right. I mean, they've joined the club, and they're not leaving the club. Mm-hmm. And what do you do now? Uh, it's uh, but, but the rhetoric has been uh, scary, honestly. Uh, Nikki, what is the... Um, impact, lasting impact of the DACA decision on uh, the Trump White House? What's your read? That is we a big, talked about this in the last half hour. That is a big question. Um, I, I thought his reaction to DACA was so interesting because I'm starting to feel that Trump, what he does is he'll announce something to like appease his base and then he'll get a read on it. And then I'll be like, oh, not everybody liked that decision. So I'm going to I'm going to act as if I might come in and like change my mind again. I feel like he did the same thing with Paris. I mean, he was like, my base is really excited about Paris, uh, or killing Paris, basically. He did it. He then realized that he did not actually have widespread support for it. So he was like, well, maybe we can negotiate, like renegotiate it now. So he, he kind of doubles back a lot of times. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Well, he did here. He said, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying. The, the very I mean, it's, day, it's, it's the same. He said, I'll revisit. Uh-huh. It's, it's like he like throws out the red meat to his base, they eat it up, and then he's like, wait a minute. 
the polling actually proves, and the polling was not on his side for DACA. It was like upwards of 60 plus mm-hmm. percent of Americans supported DACA, wanted to see him keep it in place, or wanted to see Congress, you know, you know, actually write legislation, pass legislation, the DREAM Act, whatever, uh, to, to ensure that these dreamers could stay in this country legally. And, you know, then he decides that he, you know, he, he trots out Jeff Sessions. Uh, Jeff Sessions is like, well, actually, we think the program was not legal, blah, 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 blah. And then once Trump sees that there's been a sort of negative reaction to his administration doing this, then he's like, well, we'll, 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 we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll get Congress to do it, and then maybe I'll look at it again. Yes. And so, it, you know, That's I true. can't say that we know exactly what's going to happen because, you know, there is a chance that Trump might look at it again. I mean, he hasn't re- renegotiated Paris. That's certainly true. But, I mean, who knows? The flip side of that is um, I hear you and I, I tend to agree but then I think about the transgender move where he promised during the campaign he was going to be the most most uh, supportive person for the LGBT community, mm-hmm. turns out and says, no, we're going to throw the transgender people in the military. And, and General Mattis at the time said, OK, well, that's what he tweeted. But, you know, we don't have any but, presidential right. directive. And then he he issued a presidential directive telling the military they have to do this. But the transgender then issue... Then Mattis again said, well, we'll take our time we'll and we'll it. study it. <laughs> yeah, right. That wasn't something that his his, ba- his base didn't want him... His, his base would have probably preferred that he do the ban on transgender individuals in the military. Oh, totally. So, so that, I mean, so I think, you know, the politics are opposite here. I mean, DACA, killing DACA was something that he felt his base wanted. So... And, um... Uh, and now again, this this idea of revisit is that, I mean, does what do we take for that? I uh, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell had a had a statement uh, that basically said, uh, well, we're we're going to continue to look for a so- solution on immigration, but of course they haven't been looking. Immigration has not been a, a hot issue. Paul Ryan has says, I, I I think we can do something. The chances of the parties reaching any deal on immigration are less than five percent. They're not going to, you know, going back to Bush. Bush tried comprehensive immigration reform, almost got it. Obama too, uh, but the Senate passed it and the House didn't. And you know, and so it's just it's not going to get done. And then Trump's going to the the ball is going to be in his court, and he's going to have to decide. One of the things that well, I found thought interesting yesterday was that. Um, Okay, one of the reasons the White House said we had to do this, we didn't have any choice. We had to do it because there was a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are 10 states were going to file a lawsuit against it. So Governor John Kasich came out yesterday. Basically, I don't know whether you watched our show yesterday morning, said exactly what I said. The, res- the response to that is, so what? We'll see you in court. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kasich said, that's it. You know, you don't surrender. You say, fine, we'll see you in court. So what is Kasich up to? It, it, what do you guys think? I mean... Kasich is always doesn't hesitate at all to disagree and go forward all over television disagreeing with President Trump. Is he planning a move on twenty in twenty twenty? I I, th- I think that number one, Trump is going to be primaried by a prominent Republican, and you have to look at Kasich, and you also have to look at Jeff Flake potentially. Mm. What do you think? I he- agree with him. I think that you don't write a book and then. He's constantly on the Sunday shows, Kasich is, yeah, yeah. as a sort of you know thorn in Trump's side. So, I mean, what else would he be up to if he wasn't going to run for president again? And maybe not in 2020, but I would think that he probably would primary in 2020. I've also had a lot of people talking about the fact that 
they could see Trump not running for re-election, which is sort Boy, of interesting. I can. He's out there raising money already. Yeah. He's got a re-election committee. Yeah, I mean, He's holding campaign rallies already, right? Though he, he doesn't seem to exactly love the job. You don't president. think? No. I don't know. He's going to... He's going to Camp David again this weekend. Well, it's it's kind of funny. He's you know, switched it up. No he more did switch it up. Yeah, I, I do think that Trump yeah. is going to have to make it. Uh, you know, and the Republican leaders are going to have to make a decision that if uh, something happens on Russia and he's unpopular, and the polls show that someone like Kasich could beat Trump, and there's some good numbers for Kasich in New Hampshire anyway, Kasich versus Trump. That Republican leaders are going to have to make the decision, uh, not now, but in a couple years, who they're going to support. Kasich actually yesterday said to the Dreamers, come to Ohio. I saw that. We <laughs> invite you to come to Ohio. We want you a in Ohio. A sanctuary state. <laughs> yeah, a Republican governor yeah. saying, you know, we'll be a, this is not California. This is Ohio. But the problem is, is that Kasich is not trusted by the conservative base. And he only won one state, his home state, which was better Rubio won some states, but he didn't win his home state. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you have Lost to. Lost by 20 points. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's you, you got to have someone who is going to also get some support uh, in the conservative base. And as you know, Trump's base has been largely with him. I think he's risking it to some extent with DACA, uh, that this is a big issue for them and they don't want any six-month delay. They want to end DACA, as he promised. So. But, the, but, the, but without a doubt, someone is going to challenge Donald Trump in 2020 if he runs again. Yeah, it's going to be. And and so there'll be a challenge on the Republican side, and there probably will be 35 Democrats. Yeah, it's, going to be, it's going to be a huge Absolutely. group of Democrats. The, 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 the varsity debate and the JV debate, and then there'll be the kindergarten debate. I mean, there'll be so many levels. All right. Hey, what a great half hour. Thank you so much. Nikki, good to see you. Thanks so much for coming Thank in. Thank you so much. DailyMail.com and Bob Cusack from The Hill, TheHill.com. Have a great Thursday, folks. This I'll be back again the tomorrow. Fresh show. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.